Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. I'm Alex Gehring. And I'm Bobby Howe. So, Alex, what's going on? Well, not a whole lot since the last time you and I talked. I know, like, very little has, uh, very very little, little yes. has changed. I will. I, I want to say something, though. I, I mentioned it in the last episode. Um, this last weekend, I, I just kind of got, like, a bee in my bonnet to go on a walk. Yeah. And I can't quite get over how interesting that was for me. Right. Like, I, I really... Um, I feel like I'm really connected with my community. I do a mm-hmm. lot of things within my community. Um, but one of the things that I don't do is go on a walk every day. And it was really fun. Like I sell houses right. in Spring Hill on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And we have listings in Spring Hill right now. And it was really fun to just walk the sidewalk of Spring Hill and really feel like I am in like this community. Right. That being said... I suddenly really appreciated sidewalks. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And there are so, like there are sidewalks, uh-huh. but a lot of them need to be repaired. Mm-hmm. There are some places where the sidewalks have been worn to the point where like you can barely tell that there used to be a sidewalk there. And there are some strips where there aren't any sidewalks at all. And the great part about Spring Hill, and I'm really proud of our town because we have, um, this is becoming like a pitch for Spring Hill. And I don't necessarily mean for it to be, but I am really prideful of, of Spring Hill. You should um, be. We have... Uh, places to walk to now we have an amazing coffee shop we have this uh, some like really incredible stores in our in our on our main street now and I think that sidewalks are a very undervalued part mm-hmm. of a community yes. I don't think that people think about how important those are for your commerce yep. uh, for your sense of community um, and so just if you have solid sidewalks like great sidewalks mm-hmm. in your community, really look down and appreciate those. I just want to okay. say that. No, I, no, I like that. It's true. As, <laughs> as a runner, I, I noticed those things. You know, totally. St. Joe took a, an effort a few years ago to add um, walking and bike trails throughout the city. And so we have over like 26 miles worth of, and they continue to expand. And, you know, a lot of people were very negative at the time they were going in, but there's so many of us that use them and it helps bring community together. Yeah. Like you said, you know, I, I just see the energy radiating, radiating off of you. So having since done this, like I see you talk about it, and your face lights up. So are you going to do more walks in the future? Is this going yeah, in your schedule? It really is. And and that's the thing. Um, before this horrible winter that I keep on talking about, uh-huh. before this, I, I was, I was getting up at six o'clock every morning. I was really like going on a run and going on a walk right. um, every single day that it wasn't crappy out. Um, and that is my plan mm-hmm. um, right now. Of course, I got started this weekend and then this week it's like outside yeah. again, which kind of sucks. But um, like I have it in my blood and I know that I'm going to do it. And yeah. like I'm really excited to do it. And the, it. the other thing about it, I just I just felt like I, I mean, I had a there was a gal that I sold a house to in Overland Park one of my favorite clients she was really fun to work with um but i hadn't talked to her in like six months or so right um and she saw me walking in spring hill and she like honked. what is she doing there? I, I know she uh-huh. honked right and i was like well what in the world who who was that you know and she texts me like half a second later which you know don't text and drive people but whatever so she she texts me like half a second later and she's like good morning alex and i'm like well what are you doing in my neck of the woods like right. it's great to hear from you what are you mm-hmm. doing she was getting her hair cut at the salon in Spring Hill by one of, uh, she's one of my favorite people. She's she's a mom of one of our- Your uh, worlds are colliding. Yeah, my worlds are colliding. And I wouldn't have ever known that there was that connection between those worlds right. in my life if I hadn't have gone on this walk. Right. And there were people that I ran into the whole time. It's just a totally- awesome. I, Now, 
you talked about your subdivision being detached from Spring Hill itself and there mm-hmm. not being great sidewalks to connect. There's no from. sidewalk from my subdivision. The sidewalk literally ends before um, you get to the road uh, that my subdivision sits on. Okay. So would you, I'm suggesting possibly taking your daughter in her stroller and you know walking the city streets with her because I feel like that's something she would enjoy but how are you going to get there are you going to drive really to the difficult. city or what, what do you how are you going to no I, I don't think I don't think I am going to drive to the city okay. to do that um, because I feel like part of the experience for me is making myself feel like where I live like right. my abode is mm-hmm. part of of the community. And so right. I want to feel like I live there. I feel like I'm just going to start advocating for more sidewalks and more paths to get to downtown. Like you said in St. So Joe, you're running for city council. That's I what am I not running for city council. Heard. If there's one, th- if there's, <laughs> if there are a million things that I do not have enough time for. And that is one, one of them. them. I get you. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. But, but I am going to, I am going to push for that. I, I think that. that it's an important thing. Yeah. And I, I think you have a strong case for building that case and making it this is why we need to take Mm -hmm. this in consideration what we need to do i love it well what are you up to so i am in this is week two of four weeks of straight travel for me um last week i was in columbia for the missouri realtor meetings um, our state meetings that we have three times a year Um, i head to chicago um wednesday and i'm going to be part of the nar budget audit which Ooh, sounds so fun. exciting. Budget and audit together wow. in the same sentence. Ooh. Um, and then I head back to Chicago again the following Wednesday. I actually have the exact same flights into Chicago Wednesday of this week and next week and the same return flight Thursday of this week and next week. So I don't have to remember a whole lot other than just get to the airport on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, next week I'm going to be in Chicago to deliver my keynote. Um, we, we talked about that in the last mm-hmm. episode. And then the last week, um, from Monday to Sunday, I will be in D.C., which I believe you're going to be in D.C. as well. I will also well, be in D.C. Um, for the NAR legislative meetings, which will always be known as mid-year meetings to me. I will not change the name. But See, really I called it legislative on a group that I'm on on Facebook, and everybody corrected me and told me that it's called mid-year. And that's because and I was like, whoa. Because it was called <laughs> mid-year before you came around. Like, that was its name. And then, like, four years ago, they attempted to change the name to legislative, and we're all like, no, nope, it's mid-year. <laughs> that's what it is. It's mid-year. What? So. Ever. So what are you going to do while you're at mid-year? What's, what's on your schedule? What's I'm on your agenda? I'm going to go on hill visits. Okay. Um, there are a couple of committee meetings that I'm going to attend, some open meetings that I'm right. going to attend. Um, and uh, a lot of exploring. I'm really yep. looking forward to that. Um, and hopefully a lot of networking. And Is this your first mid-year? Have you been before? This is actually my first mid-year. I was okay. planning on going last year, but we kind of had a baby. I understand. Yeah, kind of yeah. had a baby? No, Kinda. you, you did, did have we a did. baby. There's, it's really we there. had that baby. So mid-year <laughs> is my favorite meeting every year that we do. Yeah. The, the weather in D.C. is typically good. Um, it could be rainy. It has happened before. Uh, and just it's the environment. It's everybody getting together. You're going to hang out a lot in either um, the Marriott Wardman or the Omni. Typically the Wardman a little bit more than the Omni. Um, and there's always going to be something going on. There's always going to be someone around. And the lobby con here is really, really good where everybody just sits and shares information. But there's just an energy and a vibe to it that annual's fun and good, but you bring in this whole other group of people and they get separated by going to the the learning sessions. This, everything's about committees yeah. and just uh, our association as a whole. So it's 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 one of my favorite meetings. I'm really excited about mid-year. I'm um, yeah, it's going to be a really good time. I'm really excited. Yeah. It will be very fun. And I look forward to hanging out with folks like you who can like show me the ropes. I will, and... I will hold your hand and I will show you the ropes. The only thing Thanks. that I get frustrated by is it's just such a long week. We fly out on Monday. We don't come back till late Saturday evening. 
and I have like my Thursday is like not very much going on so it's really hard to know that oh I'm in DC for a full day without right and I should be happy and I should go explore but my brain's like I could be at home doing something I could be making money, money. instead of so spending I do that money still there I can right, I can make sure. money we're good yeah. um so yeah that's what we got going on so hey you know what we probably need to talk about my book bit otherwise we're gonna have like the world's longest intro the book bit the book bit is there a song for the book bit do 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 bobby's book bit it does change every time it does change i know i like it and casey does i want to do that i don't know all right so my book for today is one that i i realized i hadn't spoke about yet um and it's it's called the one thing um is wrote by gary keller and jay papazon which i understand is associated with the franchise the franchise i'm associated with however i've, I've actually um, are you serving kool-aid right yeah, now I, bobby I, I know and that's why I've, <laughs> I've been hesitant to bring up this book however if you go it walking great through book. airports it's everywhere it in is. airports it's a number one bestseller and things like that so this is not has nothing to do with branding i want that to, that's my disclaimer or it's for not this specifically podcast. real estate either. it's not specifically real estate and so i think that's why it's really important to discuss um and the book is really just a very simple approach to productivity based Based around a single question to help you have less clutter, distractions, and stress, and have more focus, energy, and success. And I think that it ties back really well to our topic last week um, with stress management and things like that, mm-hmm. and just takes it to um, another level. So essentially, the book is built around one single question, and it's the what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. And I think too often we get tied up in our should-do list versus our must-do list. And so my three big takeaways from the book is you can figure out your long and short-term priorities and goals simply by asking yourself that one question. What's the one thing I have to do today to help achieve my short-term goals? What's the one thing I have to do today to achieve my long-term goals? And really narrow that down. The second thing is, and this is actually a thing that was taught to me about three years ago, um, and it's in order to get more focus, you have to learn how to say no. <laughs> and for a lot of us, we are. if you go me. back to our disc profiles, <laughs> a lot of realtors are high eyes. High eyes' greatest fear is rejection. So therefore, we don't ever want to reject anyone else and we never want to say no. We just want to say yes to everything. Um, But in order to get focused, in order to do more things, you have to say no so that you can say yes to the right things when they show up. It's the story of my life. It is. I'm I'm getting better at it. I am getting better at it. Um, but but man, but the that's continued true. struggle is real. Yeah. And then finally, you never sacrifice your personal life for work. We understand that the purpose of business is to fund the perfect life. However, you must have that perfect or you must have that personal life built in i had somebody yesterday were under contract on a property they needed to see to get back in for um to measure for some things inside the property and and they texted me like 7 30 on a saturday night and me teaching others how to treat me i texted right back gave them some time <laughs> options however i knew my son had soccer games yesterday and so instead of saying i can do it before this time or after this time because my son has soccer it was i can do it before this time or after that time and i didn't Period. need a reason that's right. Just you don't stop need a it. reason for it. Because I didn't need to, because there would have been guilt if they said, oh, yep. the only time I can go is at two o'clock. Well, I am just going to my son's. No. Period. I can do they it don't before need to or know after. What it's for. That's right. You're getting into measure. Inspections yep. are later this week. You could actually measure then. There wasn't really a true purpose there to going go. in at that time. So, um, but I, I discovered if we learn to set boundaries, um, we are really, really good. Let's um, bring in Rick. Yeah. So, what are we, we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about auctions with Rick. And, um, Rick who? Rick Bradford. Rick Bradford. With Concierge is the name of his company. And uh, he is just a wealth of knowledge on the topic. He's extremely passionate about it and really excited to hear what he has to say. He's also kind of personable. We like him. He's a great dude. He's good people. Well, we'll be right back with Rick. 
Hey, Alice. Hey, Bobby. Do you know why I love KCRER as much as I do? Why? It's because we are just completely customer-oriented association. Did, did you see what just happened just a little bit ago? Mm, remind me. Okay, so, so we were between sessions, and Kip Cooper comes walking by, and I'm like, Hey, Kip, you got any cake? And he's like, hang on. And he comes back, and he brings me this amazing cupcake with a big gumball on top. Kip! I, you're kind of in trouble with me right now. Right, because you didn't get a cupcake, but you didn't ask for a cupcake. Mm. I did. I should for cake. Ask cupcake. and you shall receive. Exactly. So, you know, we just have an amazing association that supports us in everything that we do. Well, if we want to keep that kind of uh, <laughs> thing up. Right. I, I mean, I feel like we need to make sure that we show our association that we support them. Yes, just I, like I, they support us. One a little bit ago, the the professional development committee had asked about a podcast, and uh, and lo and behold, KCRAR has delivered. Um, and so, if you appreciate the podcast and and you feel like you're getting a lot of value out of it, please hit subscribe. Be sure to leave us a five star review if and you like us. If you like us, if you don't like us, don't do anything. Just don't listen. Then right, right. You can always choose not to listen. <laughs> And then we're going to need you to um, follow us on SoundCloud. That would be really awesome if you could do that. And then tell all your friends on your Facebook, your chaps of Snap, your installators, all of those. (laughs) I'm going to need you to go tell everybody all about listening to us and how amazing we are. But if you hate us, again, just pretend like this didn't even happen. (laughs) Right? Sounds great. Subscribe. Now. We're back with Rick Bradford from Concierge Auctions. How are you doing, Rick? I'm well. How are you, Bobby? I'm fabulous. Alex, don't want you to be left out. How are you? Thanks, Rick. I really appreciate you not leaving me out. I'm doing just fine. (laughs) So, Rick, talk to us about your experience, um, your background, experience with auctions. Yeah, so I've been selling uh, real estate at auction for about seven years now. And um, uh, really, it goes back much further than that. When I was... Not that you asked, but maybe I you did. did. Oh, okay, good. I did. I asked background. That goes all the back the, as far as you want to go. This is going to go back really far then. So when I was about nine or ten years old, um, one of my things that I did with my grandpa that was like our thing mm-hmm. is we went to auctions. We went to estate sales. And so I'd spend the night at his house on Friday night um, after school. I'd go over there and I'd spend the night. We'd wake up the next morning and we'd go auctioning. And um, it's so, so fun. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, it is. It was a good time and it was a fun community and everybody seemed to know everybody. And uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, these days um, in our in our um, technological advancement, 95 percent of the auctions that that are conducted are done online now. So you don't have that community feel. You, yeah. yeah, you've kind of you kind of lost that part. But um, and it's a little bit more work for the company, but it makes sense because it, it makes more money for the, for the, the buyers are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um a good example of that i think back <clears throat> a couple of years ago we had a we had an auction and there was a lamp that was in the auction that um uh, just looked like an ordinary lamp i mean it didn't look it, like a leg it could have come from hobby lobby it didn't look like a leg it could have come from hobby lobby but it didn't as, right. as far as we knew <laughs> um and the seller didn't know much about the lamp either the only thing he knew about the lamp was that it, it was one of his dad's favorite things that that he had and he had a lot of good collectible things but he said, I think my dad gave $500 for that lamp in the mid-70s. He said, so that's why I think it might be worth a lot of money. And um, as it turns out, long story short, we ended up selling that lamp for around uh, $5,600. Whoa. Um, 
we did when we had an online auction we had bidders from all over the country actually all over the world competing to own this lamp so i submit that had we just held it up on somebody's front on his front lawn on that saturday morning to a group of you know 75 to 200 people maybe not knowing what that lamp is we may have gotten a couple hundred dollars for right. it I'm, right. I'm not even sure but because we put it online people started our buyers started asking us questions hey is that is that um uh, Tiffany. Well, no, actually, it says handle on the bottom. Oh, my goodness, it's the Handle Lamp Corporation, which was Tiffany's primary competition from 1920 to 1936. This lamp was featured in a movie. I think Audrey Hepburn like reached over oh. and like turned off the light. It was on the cover of Good Housekeeping magazine in the 50s. This lamp that we had in our possession, but nobody knew any of this until our buyers really started, started telling you, started educating us. Wow, that's so kind cool. Of, kind of interesting. So that's that's why moving to the online aspect really really does make sense. So instead of, again, instead of opening it up to a couple hundred people, you're opening it up to collectors everywhere. Sure. So you lose some sense of community and the coming together face-to-face, but you have a new type of community with the onlines and learning things that you probably would have not learned otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I know we had we had an auction um, last year where we had two bidders, the two final bidders on this one, I think it was like a collection of antique smoking pipes, one was from Johannesburg, South Africa, and the other was from New Zealand. So the winning bidder ended up being from New Zealand. And I just thought, oh, this really is a global right. auction. Wow. So. Awesome. Now, Rick, it's worth mentioning, too, that you were the 2018 Realtor of the Year for the Kansas City Regional Association of Realtors. I don't see how that's important. It's totally important. <laughs> and uh, so in, in mentioning that, you're also a, a selling uh, real estate agent yes. um, outside of the auction world. And so I think that you're pretty well equipped to answer uh, this question. Um, at what point? What? I'm like, where is he going with this? I <laughs> at what point are, uh, <laughs> is it worth it to do an auction versus a uh, traditional sale? You stole my question. Because you, you mentioned earlier that for some houses it's advantageous, others it's not. What's that? Yeah, I think that, I think that probably 99% of the time what traditional agents do for a property is what's best for that property. Like that's normally the way to get it done. And there's that 1% of the time where, where the family maybe doesn't, maybe mom and dad um, have moved to a retirement community or um, have passed away, whatever the case may be. There's, you know, a house full of treasure and there's 30 years worth of um, improvements that need to be made, right? right. Maybe some deferred maintenance, um, you know, we, Kate's auction has never sold anything um, necessarily that's distressed. They don't do short sales or foreclosures. They, um, you know, the properties that they sell might <clears throat> might need some updating, um, carpet wallpaper, so on and so forth. But structurally, are in pretty good shape. So sometimes, you know, the son or daughter that maybe inherits the home or is helping mom and dad get rid of it, they don't know what to do with all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, additionally, they, they don't necessarily have the money um, to come in and fix everything up that the realtor is recommending. I know we, we did one last year and I wish, um, I wish I could remember the name of the subdivision, but, but the agent basically told the family, look, we think in its present condition, we think you could probably get between 240 and 250. We think if you put 25 to 30,000 into it, like some new flooring and update the kitchen a little bit, update some of the light fixtures, we think you could probably get somewhere between 275 and 300. Mm -hmm. So, um, they, they, 
just decided they wanted to sell it in as is condition and contingency free wisely they gave us a call we held the auction i think we had like 72 um we had 72 realtor showings on that property in 30 days which was pretty awesome um and the property ended up selling for two hundred and ninety four thousand five hundred dollars. wow wow so exactly the way that it was they didn't do anything else to it but we had so much activity and people you know just really fighting or competing to own the property. And it's that's, important to note that you were also marketing it on the MLS and you opening it up for showings um, just as a traditional sale would before yeah. the auction. So it's for sale the entire throughout the entire campaign. Mm-hmm. So from start to finish, the whole process takes about six weeks and um, folks would sign their contract and then we would build our marketing um, campaign and then we would launch it for 30 days leading up to the auction. But that whole time that it was that it was being marketed, it's also for sale. It's an yeah. active status um, in MLS, and um, it can be purchased ahead of the of the auction. So it's um, like eBay, buy it now. Yeah. Except I think eBay owns the rights to buy it now, so you, you owe oh. eBay like thirty seven dollars and twelve cents. Uh, Amber, no. <laughs> Great. So was selling um, by auction more common during the downfall a few years ago, or is it becoming more common now that we're having the upturn of the market, or has it been about the same? Yeah, no. Because cool... you went through that. You yeah, the... you came in at the perfect time. Good job. The cool thing is about auction is that it makes sense in every economy. It makes uh-huh. sense in every market. Because when the market is terrible, people mm-hmm. are leaning on us because it's the, it's really the only way they can get the property sold. When the market's really, really strong, mm-hmm. a lot of realtors don't think about it. But that's actually a, the best time to have an auction, right? <clears throat> when it's a seller, like it is right now, when it's a seller's market and you're getting you're getting a multiple offer situation or, or having to write your escalation clause or, or getting properties that, you know, are aren't appraising, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is a great, that's a great time to have an auction when people are fighting for it. That's when you want to do it. That's when it makes the most sense because it's an, as is non-contingency sale. Um, it's not contingent to the appraisal. So I know I sold one in Holt, Missouri last year that sold for $229,000 and it appraised for 180 something thousand dollars. I don't remember the exact number, but 180. Luckily I had a cash buyer. Um, he actually was planning to finance it. That's why he had an appraisal. Um, finance part of it because he said that his money could make, he could borrow the money cheaper than what he was making on his money. And I said, hey, if that's a good problem to have, mm-hmm. if, if that's what you want to do, but um, it's not contingent again to the to the appraisal. So he just had to write the check for the difference. Um, we don't usually see it that dramatically mm-hmm. upside down. Usually it's a you know a few thousand dollars, five to fifteen thousand dollars. But in that situation, it was it was pretty lopsided. And that was a, that was a perfect storm for an auction too, because our buyer had just moved here. He sold his farm in Herman, Missouri. He was just moving here and his daughter and grandkids lived, they were the first house right across the street and maybe a thousand yards down the road, but that's where he wanted to be. Right. Same situation with another guy that was moving from Boulder, Colorado. And they both basically showed up that day. This was a live on-site auction. And they said, you might as well go home. I mean, they were talking smack to the crowd. You might as well go home. This is going to be my house. And the other guy said, well, I hope you brought your big checkbook because this is going to be my house. And it really was a crazy situation. (laughs) People get competitive. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes to lose. Nobody wants to be the last person standing there on the lawn that that can't afford the property. And so people get emotional. And when the bidding starts, sometimes... Sometimes they go overboard. In fact, it becomes kind of wild westy. When yeah. we, it does, and when we were signing the when we were signing the contracts immediately after the auction, the buyer said, "Tell me the truth. I screwed up, didn't I?" And I said, "Did you get the house that you wanted? Like your your grandkids are right across the street. How can you put a price on that?" 
Good save. I, I believe that. <laughs> but I believe that. Like, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> And that's where auction makes more sense than traditional because because of waiving all those contingencies and doing all of that which might destroy it otherwise cuz you allow those emotions to get involved and be a part of the process. However, there needs to be that recognition that sometimes we will overpay for something because of what it brings us in the end. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean even though I've been in this um industry for a long time, I've done the same thing myself right. on Person on private uh, personal property mm-hmm. um, right. that that I know what something's worth the value of something like mm-hmm. we had a in one of our auctions we had a baseball that was signed by the 1952 Brooklyn Dodgers so it had like Jackie Robinson and Pee Wee Reese just to, to name a couple and I really wanted it so I called a friend of mine I said what do you think this is worth he's like well without a certificate of authenticity he said I probably wouldn't go over five hundred dollars because you don't know if those autographs are real but I knew my seller and I knew her story and I knew you know I knew the what's the word the uh, provenance um, uh, behind, like mm-hmm. she told me, like when her dad was eight years old, he lived in Brooklyn. He waited outside the stadium for like three hours <clears throat> until the players were getting on the bus and he handed to him, you know, one at a time and they signed it. So, and she had a picture and everything. So I just thought, man, this is a great story and this is, this is real. And even though my friend said, don't pay more than $500 and that's where I actually set my max bid at $500, mm-hmm. but I, I did end up um, not winning that, but I did end up bidding all the way up to $1,300. And I think it ultimately sold for around $1,900. And I, but I see it all the time. I knew, right. I knew where I was going to right. stop. I'm not bidding anymore over this. And this is, this is my game. This right. is my business. I right. know. I mean, I know, I know the stick and yeah. I still did it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a part of it where it's not shtick because, I mean, the truth is that in an auction, it's going to go for what the value of it is. It doesn't matter what an appraiser says. Right. It, it sells for what it sells for. Whatever it goes for was the value of that property. Yep. I mean, it, eventually, that's the way that you have to look at it. Yeah, no, and I'm, yeah. I, that's 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 exactly what it was right. worth to somebody. At that moment. And in so time. who's to say that that's not valid? I, I have that conversation with, with agents all the time when mm-hmm. I say that a hundred percent of the time an auction is going to produce market value. And sure. I said, well, you can't predict that. I mean, there's no way to really know that. I said, no, that's just the same way that a New York stock exchange or a NASDAQ arrives at a value for every publicly traded stock. At the end of the day, there's, there's been a, a, a value that's been, you know, added to that asset. You bet. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that in three months from now, it wouldn't be worth more or less. It doesn't mean that in a year from now, it wouldn't be worth more or less, but you know, people, people sell art, and they sell classic cars mm-hmm. at auction all the time because it makes sense. That's how you find the buyer. That's how you find the person that loves the item more than anyone else and is willing to pay more than anyone else. And it's the same way with real estate. It works no different. And it's, it's a photograph in time. At this moment, right. with this circumstances, this is what that was worth in that moment. Yep. Period. So a lot of people know you because you used to go around to the office. You may still do that and do lunch and learns. What For those people that have not attended one of your lunch and learns, what does the average agent need to know about auctions? So auctions work, um, auctions pretty much work the same no matter uh, which company that you're talking to. But the, the, the bottom line is with an auction, the seller gets to choose the date that the property sells. And you certainly can't do that with a traditional listing. I mean, there's, there's no way of knowing. It could sell in one day or it could sell in six months um, or two years, yeah. depending on the price point. But um, uh, all the property sell in as is condition and contingency free. Um, so it's not contingent to the appraisal. It's not contingent to the inspection. So you're welcome to do an inspection on the property. And sometimes um, we even have inspections done prior to the auction. Um, but you're welcome to do that. It's just that if you find out that it needs a new roof or a new furnace or whatever the case may be, you can't come back to the seller afterwards and ask them to make any further improvements on the property. So um, uh, 
30 days um, typically is how long the, the um, marketing period lasts. And then at the end of the 30 days, the person who's the highest, um, who's the highest bidder is obviously going to win the property. And then they have 30 days to arrange financing, um, go through escrow and close on the property. So, um, but again, some of the benefits are that, that the, the seller gets to choose. They can con- kind of control the market there um, when they're going to sell the property. And they don't have to spend any more money um, replacing that ugly green shag carpet <laughs> that's in the basement, um, you know, or the whatever colonial art wallpaper that's in the kitchen. So lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. So talk to us about what you're doing now, you're the, the changes that have happened. I think you're more towards the luxury side of things now. Yeah, so about um, about eight months ago, I went to work for a global auction, real estate auction company called Concierge Auctions, and they are um, headquartered in New York and in Austin, Texas. Their operational site is down in Austin, and they sell um, they sell real estate at auction, but it's a it's all luxury real estate. So our average sale is around four point five million dollars. Um, this last November, they broke a world record. They sold a house in Hillsboro, Florida for $47 million, Jeez, which was pretty wow. awesome. Um, they've had they've had probably, uh, just in the last two years, they've probably set, I think, five world records um, with selling, selling high-end properties that mm-hmm. have been stagnant or sitting on the market for quite some time, selling them at auction. And so the, you're saying they're stagnant. They've been on the market for some time, and now they're coming to auction, and they're setting records. That, How is that working? Yeah, no, that's correct. So what 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 we know they they just released our 2018 luxury market um, days on the market index. What we know with with any property that's over two million dollars is that the property is either going to sell in less than 180 days, in less than six months, and if it sells in less than six months, the average days on the market is 81. If it takes longer than s- six months. The average days on the market is 736. Wow! wow. So it's wow. either going to sell in the first six months, right. or it's going Not. to take almost years. three years. Yeah. So wow. Okay. That's that's the average in 56 different markets okay. of properties two million dollars and above. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. That is crazy. Yeah, it really is. So, so um. So how are you getting in front of educating these luxury sellers that this could be a potential good thing for them? Yeah. So our, our company spends just a ton of money on advertising. In fact, nobody spends more money with the Wall Street Journal than concierge auctions. And um, we we spend a lot of time actually educating the agents, um, even as much as, as we do the sellers. So, because we want the agents to be comfortable, we want them to understand the process. We want all agents um, to understand that auction isn't your enemy. We're not your competition. Um, we're just another resource for you. We're another way for you to earn your commission. We're another way to get the property sold. So because you through concierge are not an agent, you are a partnership with an agent. That's correct. correct. Yep. That's correct. So, um, that's, there's, there's a couple of, um, fine differences. So some models, uh, some models with the, um, with the commission structure, the agent will cancel their listing and then they will um, turn their listing over as they refer the property to the auction company. Uh, and in other models, um, such as concierge, the agent stays in place for the entire time. So the, the listing agreement doesn't change. So if they're whatever they've agreed um, between agent and seller, whether that's four and a half percent or five percent or six percent, it it doesn't change throughout the throughout the process. It becomes more of a partnership then. It's absolutely a partnership. Yeah. Um, but you're, obviously, you still earn your commission either way. It's just a little bit different. I know some agents. Some agents don't care, and some agents really want, for the sake of their numbers, they really want that, um, you know, they want that, volume. that record, that yeah. volume. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, 
and the, the marketing, um, the marketing too that that concierge does is also just a huge benefit to the agent because it's co-branded. So if you um, if you refer a property to concierge, you're going to get somewhere between seventy five and two hundred seventy five thousand two hundred thousand dollars worth of free advertising. I know they spent wow. on Michael Jordan's property in Chicago. They spent upwards of four hundred thousand dollars. Wow. So and Michael Jordan's property, by the way, I'm glad I brought that up. Thanks, I'm Rick. so glad you did too. <laughs> um, that's actually one of our favorite stories to tell, even though we failed to get to okay. failed to get it done. So, how the process works is that a seller has total control uh, of of the auction process. So we market the property for 30 days. And then at the end of that 30 days, we sit down with the seller and we say, Hey, listen, we've had 325 guests come through the open houses, right? We've had 72 realtor showings on the property. We've had 6,000 emails and phone calls throughout the campaign. Right now, we currently have nine registered bidders. And of those nine registered bidders, the highest opening bid that we have, and I'm going back to Michael Jordan's property here specifically, the highest opening bid that we have is $13,250,000. What do you want to do? Do you want to cancel the auction and and say, no, thanks. I, I just don't want to take a chance at Thirteen, oh, an opening bid of thirteen two fifty, or you know what? That sounds like great activity. I feel confident that we're going to have a strong auction. Let's let's let it, let's open it up and let it fly. By the way, Jordan's um, reserve was twenty three million dollars. Wow. Do you know what Jordan's Ironic. number was? Yes, yes. I know. I was Thank like, you, Bobby. Wait a second. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I knew Bobby would get that. I, Sorry, Alex. No, I no yeah, offense. I watched Space Jam when I was like four. Oh, yeah, no, it's you know, fine. Other than yeah. that, I don't uh-huh. know. It's just like I've been <laughs> in Michael Jordan's restaurant where there's twenty three layer chocolate cake, and somebody goes, "Why is there twenty three layers?" Ah, oh, did, you're cute. Did you do some sp- splaining? <laughs> I did. I did some splaining. <laughs> so, um, so his 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 reserve was 23 million, which obviously was his number in basketball. So that proves that it's an arbitrary number, right? Exactly. So 13 million 250 thousand dollars was the highest opening bid, and Jordan said, "No way, we're 10 million dollars off." And we reminded him that's not where the auction is going to end. That's where it's going to start. start. He's like, "I just don't, I don't have the confidence in moving forward." So Jordan canceled his auction. We didn't have the auction. That was in 2013. Okay. So it's this is 2019. Mm-hmm. That's six years, right? Yep. It's still for sale. Never, it hasn't come off the market. You can uh-huh. look it up right now. Uh, well, you, I hate to use the word Zillow. You can look it up on Zillow, Zillow, Zillow right now, <laughs> and it's currently listed at fourteen million eight hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars. Wait wow. a second. So six years have passed. Yes. And he's within a million of what the opening bid was Correct. six years ago. Correct. And so our um, our inside team <clears throat> believed at that time that the auction was based on the activity that we had. The auction would probably have ended up somewhere between 16 and $18 million. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, what, it just fell short of what his belief right. uh, of the property mm-hmm. was worth. And again, we always tell sellers, it doesn't, I'm sure... All agents tell sellers, it doesn't matter what you think it's worth. It doesn't matter what I think it's worth. It doesn't matter what the appraiser thinks it's worth. It only matters to the people that are actually going to buy the property. Right. What the buyer the will pay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Especially exactly. when you base it on an arbitrary number such as your, your jersey, number. jersey number. Yeah. So um, <laughs> another another cool property that, that we're working on right now, and I, I, I think I told you this last week, is that I was at um, I was in Chicago. I was at Richard Mark's house. Okay. And um, he was a singer in the 80s. Yes. Um, hold on to the <laughs> Alex, night. Alex, are you good? Nope. We've lost Alex. It's fine. Yeah. We're good. 
Well, I think Alex was watching Space Jam while Richard Marks was <laughs> making number one songs. Well, he's um, playing on his piano. It's fine. <laughs> so, um, no, but his his house has been on the market now for five years. Okay. And um, they had $15 million into the property. So when they listed it, they listed it for $18 million. They've now had 19 price reductions in five years. And they're currently listed at $6.9 million. The house is 29,000 square feet on four acres overlooking Lake Michigan. It's stunning. The property's gorgeous, but they can't find a buyer. So I'm really hoping that they will make the right decision and choose right. choose to auction the property. I like that embedded command. Very well done, Mr. Bradford. I'm thank, proud of you. So does you. Concierge specifically specialize in... Uh, references that only Gen Xers would understand or, or get, or is it just, or is that just a? That's not actually a pattern. It's a, it's a coincidence. I think it's more of a coincidence. Oh, okay, okay, all right, good, good. Yes. So we have to pull Alex back into this. We're good. Yes. We're good, Alex. It's music. You should know it. Come on now. Hold on to the night. Nothing. No. Sorry. No. Okay. Sorry. Okay. It, it doesn't trigger a response. It should. I apologize. It should. That was the, Amber. No. That was the okay. theme of my prom in 1989. Oh. I'm so glad that Amber isn't here most of the time because I'm able to look back and I'm like, is, is, what are these old I people talking, talking about? about? Amber, I All heard right. you just got your driver's license. Congratulations. Okay. And now we've squirreled <laughs> way far away. So, Rick, what haven't we asked you about auctions that we should have? That is a really good question. That's why I asked it. Alex? She always asks that question. Oh. Um, <clears throat> what were you hoping I wouldn't ask you? Yeah. There, that's what it is. That's, that's, that's the one. No, there's really nothing. Okay. Um, there's really nothing, you know. I, I just, I really love, um, I really love the auction process. I, I, can understand how people could be intimidated by it, or it could be, you know, kind of a scary four-headed beast. Because obviously, when I first started in this business, I didn't know anything about it. I mean, I assumed, like most people, I'm guessing, that the only reason you would have an auction is if there'd been a death in the family, mm-hmm. or the some distress, the house is yeah, dilapidated, right. or there's pre-foreclosure situation going on, and that's just not the case. Um, I know that I think it was year before last in 2017. Um, over half of all of the auctions that Kate's auction did that year, um, the, the buyers, I mean, the sellers owned the property free and clear. They didn't know any money on the property. So, um, you know, just sometimes it's, it's better to, it's better for some sellers to forego the quote, list it and wait method, right? uh, right? Um, Especially on, on pretty unique properties because, um, uh, and I'll bring this up now, the Patterson house that, um, Kate's just sold out in, um, Lock Lloyd, Mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 the folks that were driving the show, the attorneys and the family, they, they didn't know where the what, what the property was really worth. You know, it, it did need a little bit of it needed a little bit of updating, a little bit of work. And on a house that size, thirteen thousand square feet, that could be pretty costly. So right. they don't want to overprice it and have it sit on the market for years and they don't want to underprice it and leave right. money on the table. Right. <clears throat> right? So they hard to sell. price a property like that. <clears throat> it's it's really yeah. difficult. It is, especially, that's right, especially for the unique hard-to-value properties. Mm-hmm. Um, auction is just a, a great method. So that one had never been to, never been to, um, or been on the market. They just went straight to auction. And um, I have, I can't give the specific number just yet until it closes, but I do have, um, I do have the impression. So they had 26 registered bidders on that property. Wow. wow. Which is huge. Yeah. 26 registered bidders, especially in a property like that. Viewers from 45 states. This is viewers, not bidders, but viewers from 45 states, <clears throat> excuse me, and four foreign countries. Wow. Um, there were over 150,000 views on the video, um, 10,000 of which came from a Connect TV device or smart TV. Um, wow. Wow. 
yeah. I love those analytics. Pretty crazy, right? 1.2 million impressions. Um, served Jeez. 35,000 uh, unique website visitors and 65 qualified leads or inquiries that were generated. That's wow. remarkable. And that's in, that's, 30, awesome. that's in 30 days. That's amazing. So, yeah, I, we... I remember that um, I remember that on one that we had a couple of years ago. The, the reason they came to auction is they were frustrated. They've been on the market for eight months, and they had two showings in eight months. And um, I Thanks. think, yeah, and I think we had um, I think we had over fifty. This was in Edgerton, Kansas, but I think we had over fifty uh, realtor showings on that property in, in the thirty day campaign. And I think the last list price had been six and a quarter, and we sold the property for five sixty one. And so my That's pretty my solid. seller was tickled pink. Yeah, I mean, right. He was, he he'd already built his new home um, on 200 acres. They moved him to, to more land, and he was he was thrilled. Wow! So, That's awesome. In fact, he he built the house himself in 1999. And when we crossed the 500 thousand dollar mark, he said, "I'm good now with whatever it brings. I don't care." He said, "That's what I have in it. That's what I built it for in '99. So anything wow. that it brings now is just gravy." gravy. It's awesome. Yep. So. <laughs> I love it. Wow. Yeah. Well, Rick, thank you for coming in today and making us a little bit smarter because I know I feel a little bit smarter. I do too. Rick, I've talked to you a lot about auctions and you, I have to say this, you are a very passionate person when it comes to auctions. And it's always fun to talk to somebody that's really passionate about what they do every day. So yeah. thanks for coming in. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. I, I do love it. Um, somebody asked me the other day, they said, wow, you really believe in auction. You you really, you drank the Kool-Aid. I said, oh, I don't just drink it. I make a fresh batch every day that's and right. I serve it to all my friends. So. There you go. I love it. Yep. Thanks great, for Rick. Thank you. Yep, you bet. Thanks for having me.